I'm Joshua, a producer at SideFX, and welcome to a special bonus episode. Today we'll be showcasing projects from Jonathan and Jerry's initiative called Consulting Project 2020. It's an initiative where individuals can pitch an idea, find team members, and build a product despite the ongoing pandemic. SideFX partnered with Consulting to create the SideFX microgrants, where those working on the Consulting Project 2020 can apply to win $200 of grant money towards their project. To acknowledge the grant winners for their efforts and to better know their stories, tonight's bonus episode will feature the three grant winners. Our first guest is June, a data scientist who recently founded Maya, which stands for ML Informed Autism Helper. We spoke with June to learn more about the project. Hi, my name is June Chung. I am a data scientist and I am the founder of Maya. Uh, Maya, uh, it's a company that I started to address some speech needs uh, for people who are speech impaired. And so currently we're wrapping up development of our MVP, our minimal viable product to be able to soon showcase uh, the eventual functionality of the Maya app. I'm a high school teacher by trade and so um, as the coronavirus started to take effect and people started quarantining, I had a, a professional development with the rest of my staff. And we were learning about this new technology, this new app that one of our students, whose name is Jeremiah, was using. And um, the technology, the app, it was, it was really shoddy. It wasn't really good. Uh, the quality was really bad. And me and a coworker friend of mine, we just kind of joked around, we, we could probably build this thing better. And yeah, we wouldn't have to charge so much for it. it. It really shocked us to find out that this app that our student Jeremiah hated using, it actually cost his family $250 to purchase. And that was excluding the amount of money they would spend on in-app purchases and on other relevant hardware. And so it kind of became a thought in the back of our minds to develop this thing, maybe almost as like a summer project to develop an app, a symbol based communication tool for speech impaired people and release it for free so that people from every, um, from every background, from all socioeconomic statuses could afford to have a high quality communication tool at their hands. June did more research on what kinds of options the speech impaired have on alternative communication services, only to find out that the options out there are expensive and extremely limited. Not only that, but June realized that the demand for a high quality alternative communication device has been on the rise in America. So right now, uh, the internet, you'll find different facts and figures, but 40 million Americans on estimate actually have a communication disorder. And depending on where you look, about 7.5 million people in the U.S. actually have some level of speech, speech disability. And again, that prevalence is only rising. And when I did my analyses of the Google Play Store and the App Store, what I actually found was that a lot of AACs that were available on the market were developed by parents who just really needed some sort of solution for their own kids. And so some of the people that 
require a symbol-based AAC include people with developmental disabilities and genetic conditions. And that includes autism, Down syndrome, uh, cerebral palsy, uh, people who have acquired disorders like traumatic brain injury and stroke, people with progressive disorders, uh, including Parkinson's, motor neuron disease, and even some cognitive communication disorders like dementia and aphasia. The inspiration for the app Maya, it came because of my autistic student. But in fact, uh, digging deeper, there are a lot of different people who have a need for some sort of augmented and alternative form of communication. But the big issue that I found was that the industry standard for a symbol-based AAC on the market actually costs $250. And based on a 2018 report, uh, as researchers looked at national data for students who are between the ages of 12 and 23, almost half of those students uh, who are on the, uh, the autism spectrum, they actually live in households with incomes that are at or below the poverty level. And so because they have um, because these teens who have autism are, you know, a, a good chunk of them are coming from backgrounds where they don't have the most money or the most resources to get like the state of the art or industry standard AACs, it, it makes it really difficult for people of all socio- socioeconomic backgrounds to find success and find uh, reasonable, measurable growth in terms of their speech capabilities. And so the mission for Maya became to develop the highest quality universal speech solution that could aid people of all different disabilities um, and that would be available for everyone. But creating an improved, affordable alternative communication tool from the ground up would still be difficult. For one, June's background is in data science and not in app development. But June saw Consulting Project 2020 as an opportunity to find team members, create connections, and receive consulting from Jonathan and Jerry to transform the idea into an actual product. And after months of working, they plan on completing their minimum viable product by September. And they don't plan on stopping there. Maya plans on making improvements like improving the user interface and implementing machine learning to improve the user interaction experience. Perhaps because of June's background on data science, Maya will also have insights to understand the way in which they communicate with the alternative communication device. The people who use these kinds of apps are often recommended to use it or suggested to use it from their parents or from maybe their speech language pathologists, some sort of therapist. And so it's really important that whoever is overseeing the users actually has an understanding of the user's usage. What symbols do they use? Uh, How often are they using these symbols? Uh, How often are they actually using the app to communicate? Um, Has there been significant improvement from one month to the next? And the big issue with AACs is that AACs that are currently on the market don't provide any insight and there's no actual way to track and monitor communication skill improvement. And so we want to not only redefine 
the layout of traditional AACs, and we also don't want to stop at just incorporating machine learning to improving user experience, but we also want to provide the overseers of the users and the users themselves with actionable insights so that we can give them suggestions to continue their development in terms of their speech. While June originally contemplated using the microgrant to potentially pay for data storage or employee costs, they've decided to use the funds in a different way. The microgrant would be leveraged towards our marketing and actually showing off our MVP so that we can gain some traction and possibly be able to get this product in front of investors who might see the potential of an app like this and possibly invest so that we can continue developing beyond just the minimal viable product and into something that's actually really usable and worthwhile to have for the speech impaired. So keep an eye out for Maya in the coming months as Maya continues to grow into something that June student Jeremiah can truly benefit from. And for all of my team members, members now, for Alina, for Tezong, Jonathan Kushbu, Michelle Nalin, uh, you guys, I couldn't have asked for a better team. You guys are rocking it uh, on literally every aspect. So thank you guys. And again, a biggest shout out goes to my student, Jeremiah. Maya, if you ever hear this, you know this is for you. That's June, representing the team that's working on Amaya. Next, we have a project that aims to make the planet a little more environmentally friendly with a new idea. Because of coronavirus, many stores no longer allow customers to bring their own bags. And for the stores that do allow customers to bring bags, customers must bag their own groceries to decrease the number of interactions between customers and employees. That's why Kip and two others on her team wanted their consulting project to help alleviate the uptick in environmental waste that occurred as a byproduct of COVID-19. Hi, my name is Kit Chow, and I'm a third year environmental science and management student at University of California at Davis. I'm excited to be representing my team and my teammate, Carly DeLorme and Kwan Wing to share our project Snap Psycho with you. I'm an international student from Hong Kong, and this has been a weird time and crazy with everything happening. And I'm so glad that Consulting and Side Effect Podcast has bring in Consulting Project 2020 to allow us to work together on our project. Our project name Snap Cycle, as the name alludes to, is to build a prototype for an app that allows users to take a picture of waste items and provide information on how to recycle properly. Since the pandemic hit, I've seen myself use a lot more plastic in order to protect us from the virus. Businesses are offering complementary plastic, single-use plastic bags, food packaging, etc. This is worsening the plastic pollution we already face. According to an article written by National Geographic, only 9% of the plastic weight has been recycled. As a consumer, I want to bring a solution to reduce my impact to the environment. The idea came to Kip when she reflected on the amount of plastic she was using to accommodate how she was not going out as much due to COVID-19. We came up with the idea that we've been seeing so much plastic around us, especially this time when you go to grocery stores, store in or- the stores in order to protect consumers from the virus, they give you 
single-use plastic bags or when you go to a Starbucks or go to any drink store, they will say like, I would can't accept your reusable bottles and you just can't avoidably just receive a lot of plastic from them. And as a student and as a environmental student particularly, I always want to reduce my impact on the environment. And with all the takeout boxes piling up at home, I'm just thinking, what can I do with them? And I think this is also a question that a lot of people are asking. And every time you have to Google it, how specifically you can properly treat them, I think it's it might be hard for many people that don't have the time to do so. And our app wants to create a more accessible and easier way that everyone can just take a picture and learn more about it from one platform. The development of such an app is appropriate when we consider that American literacy on recycling rules has traditionally not been very good. Kip released a survey to learn more about people's recycling literacy and habits, and 70 people responded. Our survey was sent out two weeks ago, and we got around 70 individuals responded to our survey, and which is really good. And most people said yes to their increase in single-use plastic during the quarantine. And our other questions include, how confident do you feel about sorting daily waste and recyclables? And what's your biggest challenge or question about recycling? And I think a general trend that we're seeing is people are mostly around like medium or like kind of confident, but not really sure about how to do with their daily waste, especially with soiled items, like how clean do they have to be? or specific question about their locations, like will our city or jurisdiction accept certain recyclables? Will they actually get recycled? And I think our app tried to tackle questions that based on user-specific locations and also your specific waste item. Kip and her team plans to use SnapCycle to improve literacy on recycling by utilizing a combination of app development, machine learning, and augmented reality. Our team wants to provide an interactive platform for individuals who wants to reduce the impacts and reduce waste to better educate themselves in recycling strategies. We want to have the interactive features that users can just take a picture and our app will give out more information on how to recycle them properly and also to emphasize the need of reduce and reuse before even recycling. Our app will provide alternatives to avoid generating the same waste items again next time in the best possible ways, and also creative ways to repurpose the waste item and rework them into daily household items. And another main feature of our app is to include specific information based on the user's location. Before we began working on a prototype, we sent out a preliminary survey to see what problems people are asking about recycling, and what they would like to see on the app. Many survey respondents said that they weren't sure if the specific items are accepted by their counties. And our app wants to provide an accessible and engaging way that users can determine whether a specific item is acceptable for recycling based on their location. But even if the team is volunteering to work on SnapCycle, there are still costs associated with app development. SnapCycle plans on using the grant money to fund some of the software costs associated with designing and hosting the app. We are all new to this online studying environment, and this grant will support us in 
purchasing more resources, software necessary in building this app. And Qua is working on the machine learning and AR part of the app development. And the grant can greatly help him in having more support in purchasing 3D animations and also the Unity software. And our app also can have more support in building it into an app that can actually be purchased from Google Play Store or people that can download from App Store to try it out on their own phone. The grant money will be supporting the app development as well as the software purchase. For Kip in particular, COVID has forced some strange circumstances onto her as an international student. But Wonsulting's project has served as a good outlet and resource for her. I heard about Wonsulting about half a year ago when my friend was watching one of their live stream events on LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, what are you watching? And I joined him and I find it really fascinating because a lot of career workshops that I've been to are mostly just informative, telling you very straightforward informations. But during the consulting live stream event, they're more interactive. It's like uh, it's like a host hosting a show that you want to entertain people. And I think it's a very good way to engage students and learn more about Korea in a more fun way. And I really like one of the ideas that consulting is trying to help underrepresented students and that I really resonate to the to the goal that consulting is trying to achieve. I'm an international student from Hong Kong and a lot of times I have experienced hurdles and finding internship trying to get visa sponsorships and this is a really good community that I'm in and I loved all the resources that Jerry and Jonathan are putting out there. That's Kit, representing her team of three for her project SnapCycle. The last side effects grant winner consists of a duo working on sustaining a community staple in the San Francisco Bay Area. Hi, I'm Cynthia. I'm a stats major at UCLA. And initially I came in as like a pre-med, but soon I realized that it was the problem solving aspect I was really interested in. And so I wasn't that into like chemistry or like physics and then for pre-med you had to take a bunch of classes on that so kind of pivoted my way towards business and then through that I developed my interest in like marketing and like business development in general. Hi my name is Carrie and I'm currently an international relations and econ economics major at UC Davis. I chose to major in international relations because I've always had a passion for history and learning about diversity and just different cultures around the world. And I like economics because I like how it's a mixture between math and kind of critical thinking. Cynthia and Carrie's consulting project is to support Peninsula Ballet Theater, a nonprofit ballet school in San Mateo, California. And they aim to make art accessible to all. So we met through consulting summer 2020 project and initially we were assigned in a group of four, but our other two teammates, I think they were more oriented towards like technology. And I guess they kind of dropped halfway through, but the two of us still wanted to continue working on this project. So 
we kind of focused our project towards like a consulting service and we we're looking for small businesses to work with and so what i did was i reached out on Nextdoor, like the community website and i just posted like a little blurb i was like oh we're two, these two college students and we can offer local businesses help with these types of services so like things with like finance or marketing and then someone on Nextdoor reached out to me and they're like oh hey my brother owns a ballet school and he could probably use your help since they've been heavily impacted by covid and through that i got the contact of the brother who was working with the ballet school and i was able to hop on a call with him and then after calling him we were able to get connected with the marketing director of the ballet school who onboarded us with this program founded in 1967 the ballet school has been a community stable for generations. Situated right in the middle of Silicon Valley, a strong arts presence acts as a contrast from the tech hubs that surround the theater. And because of the performances and the outreach, it has introduced dancing to people who otherwise may have never been exposed to it. I guess one thing for Peninsula Ballet Theater that really makes them stand out is that they're trying to make dance as accessible for everyone as possible. So. They offer a bunch of scholarships to community members who might not be able to afford these classes. And besides that, I believe they've also worked with um, the Autism Society of the San Francisco Bay Area just to make dance more um, inclusive to people of all abilities and just making sure that everyone's included in these programs. Likewise, they're also working with the uh, Community Access ticketing program. I'm assuming that's by providing discounted tickets for people who might not be able to afford their performances and just letting as many people as possible enjoy dance. Well, I actually grew up in San Mateo. So whenever I go, it's um, the Peninsula Ballet Theater is located in this place next to like a Ross and TJ Maxx, Trader Joe's. So I actually always pass by it. And a lot of my friends actually went to PBT to dance so it's a place where I feel like people of all ages and just even all skill levels can go there to learn more about dance because Peninsula Ballet Theater is a lot about inclusivity so I know people will feel welcomed when they go when they dance there. With the rise of COVID the theater has been forced to move to virtual classes and business has stalled it's no surprise that students are skeptical about the efficacy of online dance classes. The main difficulty was that I guess usually ballet classes are best held in person because the instructor can see you and like correct you on what you're doing wrong with like the techniques. But because of COVID, they had to move completely to a virtual platform. And I think on a virtual platform, things like dance just, it doesn't seem as convenient and it doesn't work the same. And I think their biggest difficulty was convincing people that dancing through like an online class was just as like engaging and effective as an in-person class so we had to work a lot with like getting that across to everyone and just making sure the spirit of dance was kept alive. So most of the efforts from Cynthia and Carrie have been to grow a social media presence to foster a community that has been hindered from COVID. They're trying to show that not all the magic of ballet is gone when things have moved to a virtual platform. So for our for most of our social media accounts right now, we're really focused on organic growth. So that a lot of that comes from just reaching out to current families that are part of Peninsula Ballet Theater and letting them know about like our new social media accounts, just inviting them to follow 
And an incentive we've been using to try to gain more followers and like likes on our page is through using promotional, I guess, giveaways. And so we're like saying, if you're the blank follower, like maybe the 100th follower or something like that, we're going to offer a free virtual private dance lesson. And so hopefully that like attracts more people to like our page, follow us on these different social media sites. And another thing we've been using is really strategic in our, I guess, hashtags on Instagram. We use things that relate to virtual dance classes and San Mateo in general, since we want to make sure that it's a it's known in the community that we're still offering these different classes. And I believe some of these hashtags like virtual dance classes, they're pretty big now, like the number of posts underneath them. So it kind of shows like how it is a new thing having virtual and online classes. So it makes sense that they would use the grant money to get a boost in the marketing plan that they are currently formulating. Online ads are some of the most popular ways to get value out of an advertising dollar. So our goal for the grant money is just to make sure that they can get the advertising across to a larger community audience. So right now, it's since it's like mainly organic, I guess, growth through our social media accounts, it's through people who already know about us and like are probably already going to sign up for our classes. But we want to find the more effective way to like reach out to a bigger audience with their limited budget as a nonprofit. So hopefully with the grant money, what we have so far planned is that we're going to make a Facebook advertising campaign. We have this short 30 second video that's going to become an ad on Facebook. And hopefully it shows up on the pages of people in like the San Francisco Bay Area while they're scrolling through. They'll see that ad on Facebook with the link to our website and like a little blurb about the dance classes. And they'll get interested in that and click on it just to gain more traffic. Hopefully the advertising campaign will help the ballet theater stay afloat until they're able to safely reopen in these circumstances. And the experience of working with Peninsula Ballet Theater and learning from the webinars with Consulting has already been formative for both Cynthia and Carrie. I guess I learned not to be afraid to reach out to people. And I was actually able to like just do many like phone calls with people that are working in the industries that I'm interested in. And they're really nice and open to giving me advice and answering all my questions. And just not don't be intimidated because they actually want to have a genuine conversation with you, which is really heartwarming. And I'm really glad that I'm working with Cynthia because she's really nice and I enjoy our FaceTime calls and working with her during our mini shifts. That's Cynthia and Carrie working on Peninsula Ballet Theater. Thank you to all the special guests today for today's bonus episode. It's been interesting to see how, even though COVID has forced extenuating circumstances on all of us, people can still create meaningful projects that still contribute something back to the world. Thanks again to Consulting for putting together this great initiative. Next week's episode will be the finale of Side Effects, where we return to our original six guests and see what's next for them. If you want to catch up on previous episodes, find links to all of our social media, or send us a kind message, you can do so at sideeffectspod.com. That's S-I-D-E-E-F-F-E-C-T-S pod.com. We'll see you again next week at the end of August for our finale. And until then, please take care.